Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Second service, my family will be here. We all um, went to Legoland yesterday. We, we love Legoland so much. Disneyland is a little bit chaotic for us. I don't know if you've been to Disneyland lately. It's like really busy and claustrophobic and like, whoa, gosh, just back off. But Legoland is a little more spaced out and spread out. And it was so fun. This, our friends that live down there gave us these passes, these little one-use passes that you can go into the exit lane and just hand it to them. It's, or you can go into the like reserve and ride, but you don't have to reserve for a certain time. You just give them the pass. We skipped all these lines. It was amazing. Like, thank you, Lord, for friends that have connections to places we don't have. Jesus is our friend that has connections to places we don't have connection to. And because we know him, we have the connection. That's just good. Um, so you don't get to meet my family unless you come second service, but they'll, they're at the hotel getting sorted. Um, but we, we love Legoland. We came down here. We were driving down, and we looked at each other and like, oh, man, we forgot to bring our books. Normally when I travel and speak, I bring books and resources and all this stuff because we've written a bunch of things. Um, and I totally blanked and forgot. And so I have no sermons, no books, no nothing. Okay? Sorry. But we are doing free shipping on our website for win-win parenting. So we wrote a book, the, the win-win parenting book. Um, that's free shipping. The website is just my name, sethdahl.com. I wrote a book with Bill Johnson called God is Really Good. It's his God is Good book, which is he feels like it's probably his most important book he wrote. Um, So I rewrote that for children. So it's a 36-page book that you just flip through. Um, It's based on Lily and Sparrow from Consider the Lilies, How They Grow, and the Birds of the Air, how they neither sow nor reap, toil nor spin, yet the Lord takes care of them all. And so it's from that. um, We have a course for parents, a video course that's five-minute videos because I'm a parent. So I know, like, don't give me an hour-long video to watch. I need five minutes. I need to learn how to teach my kids prophecy at the dinner table in five minutes or less. And that's what it is. Um, The prophetic's in there, encountering God in the Bible, being generous out in the community, healing the sick out in the community, but teaching our kids that. And it's called Arrows, based on Psalm 127, verse 4, that says, Children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And the reason I called it Arrows, we we have one son named August, one daughter named Brooklyn, and our last child, we named him Arrow. And I got three arrows tattooed on my arm. This verse, for me, working with kids for 15 years and then having my own children the last eight years, we, kids are really important. And it, it finally hit me, this verse, Psalm 127, verse 4, Children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. That means children are the long-range weapon of the spirit realm. 
And it doesn't matter how many children we have, if you keep arrows in the quiver, it's like you have no arrows. So you can be in this big battle and have 20 arrows sitting back here. If you never actually pull them out and shoot them into the enemy territory, it's the same as having zero arrows. We can have all the children in the world, but if we simply protect them from the big bad world and we don't actually get them out and let them do and go where they're supposed to go and do, if we don't actually fire our children into enemy territory wisely, carefully, aiming, focused, like archers don't just... Like a machine gun, you don't have to aim. You just fire away and your bullets will hit something. But an arrow, you get one shot with that kid. So you better focus and you better aim. And so, but, but if you don't focus, aim, and actually release them, you're, you're reduced down to what most of the church has done for hundreds of years, and that's only fight in hand-to-hand combat with the sword of the spear. Not knowing the whole time we've had arrows sitting on our back. So we're over here, you know, in Ephesians 6, the devil, he's firing flaming arrows at us. He just fires them away. The Bible actually says, you have a shield of faith with which you extinguish all the fiery arrows of the enemy. So the enemy shoots fiery arrows at us from way back there. And we're like, oh no, ah, here they come. That's okay. I believe what God says. I have faith. We just stop them all. Okay, got them. Yes. Now let me wait for him to come all the way here, and then I will fight. I don't want to engage in hand-to-hand combat. This is what we're talking about, Psalm 149. I told Jesse, I said, that's my favorite psalm. It's spiritual warfare without fighting. It's spiritual warfare like this. Oh, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Like, wow, you just destroyed all my enemies. Thank you. Sometimes the only reason the church has such major battles is because we're trying to fight them on our own. I don't, I don't want to fight fair with the enemy. He doesn't fight fair with us. Why would we fight fair? I don't want to fight fair with him. I don't want to fight fair. I want to fight... You know, it's like, the, it's like I love movies. I love kids' movies. I love The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian. I love C.S. Lewis. I went to his house in England, and I was like, Lord, I sat there at his desk for a second, and I said, give me that. I want this. He wrote the books right there, and I, I was like, oh, gosh, I just want to lay on this desk. <laughs> Whatever you did with him, God, I want to do that. And, and then I went, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail. I went downstairs, and there's a picture of him reading his Bible, smoking a pipe. I'm like, is that the secret? Just joking, just joking. Just totally joking. Like he just he loved he loved to smoke a pipe while he studied theology. Like that's just not American. So C.S. Lewis, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian. My favorite scene in Prince Caspian is where Lucy, the little child, leaves the biggest battle they've ever been in. They're trying to overthrow the guy who took the throne from the prince, and they're trying to overthrow that whole deal so the proper prince can be back on the throne in this invisible world that only the children can see. And they're in there fighting this big battle, and everyone's like making these deals with the enemy. Like, if we win, you surrender, and if you win, we surrender, and all this stuff. Well, the enemy doesn't play fair. 
He's got this whole scheme. Now, even if you beat me, I'm still going to, I'm not surrendering. We're just going to attack you more and come after you. But this one little girl, Lucy, the youngest one, she's like, forget this. I'm out of here. I'm going to leave the battle and go find Aslan. I'm going to leave the battle and go find the lion. And she leaves and she goes out. You should watch the movie. It's, it's so good. She leaves. She goes out. Well, she comes back to the battle. And she's standing on this bridge by herself, and the whole army is there because by now the, the lion has roared, the, all of nature is coming to f- her assistance, and the trees or roots are coming out of the ground and grabbing the enemies and chucking them and all this stuff. It's awesome. And, but the enemy's trying to get away until they see this little girl standing there, and she pulls out her little tiny dagger. And it's such a beautiful picture of the sword of the spirit. It's like, you know, kids don't have these huge, massive swords. They don't know the Bible that good. But a kid who knows the author knows more than the person who knows the whole Bible. So she pulls out this little dagger like, oh, this girl doesn't know the Bible very much. She has a little tiny dagger against this whole army. And then all of a sudden, you see the weapon that she really does have. And the lion walks out and stands next to her. It's like, oh, she's not playing fair. <laughs> One child with the lion is way more powerful than all the armies together. She's like, I'm not going to fight fair. I don't want to fight fair with you, jerk. I'm going to leave this fight and go get the lion, and then, we're gonna, then we'll see what happens. I don't know why. I just, so children, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So I finally realized after 15 years, 13 years, I realized, oh, my gosh, I've been flying around the whole planet helping create powerful children's churches, powerful children's ministries, and I never realized the home is the first children's ministry. And the parents are the first pastor. So that's why I've created these things for parents. And we're just aiming at parents all the way. Because how many of you know, if what happens in here doesn't happen in in the house, it's not Christianity. It's event-based religion. It's what we do on Sunday mornings. It's not who we are. And this is not what we do. Christianity is not what we do. It's who we are. You can't turn. There is no off switch. We just, we are believers. And so I finally realized like, oh my gosh, we built some of the most powerful, amazing children's ministries all over the earth and it's awesome and amazing. And if it doesn't get into the home, it's not what God wants. It has to get into the home. We have to learn as parents. Like I, I go, sometimes I go into these sporting goods stores. What time do I need to finish? Just, there's no clock in this. They don't want you to know what time. 10.45, I'm going to be a kid's slide to get the kids. 10.45, okay. You don't have to stop then. Okay, gotcha. The nightclub doesn't want you to know what time it is because they want you to stay till they kick you out. Neither do we. Neither do we. So I go into these sporting goods stores, and I love to, I go into the archery aisles, and I look, and like, you know, you can go to the archery aisle, and there's all these packages of arrows, and so you, you can just grab, like, I really like the $50 ones. You get three arrows 
for 50 bucks. They are razor sharp. They're perfectly straight. The fletching is really cool. And you're like, dang, if I just pay my 50 bucks, I'll swipe my card, I'll walk out of here, and I'll have three arrows that will fly perfectly straight, hit the mark. They're razor sharp. They'll pierce what they're supposed to pierce. They'll do what they're supposed to do, what they were designed to do, because some machine crafted them. And this has been the mentality of a lot of families, a lot of parents, a lot of believers, is that, look, if I just go to the right church and I pay my tithe, they're going to have my kids come out perfectly straight, razor sharp, perfect fletching, fly straight, hit the mark, and like, oh, wait, no. Or we go to the right school and we pay tuition. We pay tuition. Just give me my package of arrows, not realizing the Bible wasn't written in 2018. And the archers didn't have sporting goods stores. They actually had to pick a branch and cut it down and shape it and craft it and design it. And maybe it's like, hey, you work with metal and iron. Can you make me a really sweet arrowhead and let's stick it on my arrow because I made this sweet arrow. And, I, and my friend over here, she put the fletching on. You give me the arrow. But it's our job to all work together that the church helps sharpen the tip, sharpen the arrowhead. The, the school maybe puts the fletching on, but it's the, it's the archer's job. To, to, to help craft the arrow and to learn the arrow. You know, back then, each arrow was unique, kind of like our kids. And you had, like, if you pulled out the one with the blue fletching and the, 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 the iron tip, I don't know, whatever, you knew, like, oh, this arrow is going to fly a little bit that direction, so I'm going to aim him over here. And then I pull out this pink one, and, oh, she's going to go a little bit like that, so I need to aim her Right here. And each arrow was known intimately because the archer had a place in designing the arrow. So it's not, it's never the, it's not like I tell people all over the world, please do not delegate to the church and to the school full responsibility for your children's spiritual development. Otherwise, you're going to get out there and think you know how to fire that arrow and you're like, why did my arrow fly way over there? Oh, I had no part in helping shape them. That wasn't, sorry, that wasn't my message. Just, this is like who I am. I love kids. I love helping adults become like children because Jesus said, if we don't repent and become like little children, we can't enter the kingdom nor be great in the kingdom. Are you with me? The most dangerous thing in the world is to be a grown-up. Are you with me? Like Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom, repent and become like a child. So one fun fact about kids. I love kids. I love my kids so much. Kids in America laugh 400 times a day on average. And the average adult laughs 12. We have a lot of repenting to do. Good job. You're repenting a little bit. Joy and laughter are really, really important. 
My, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because I'm a children's pastor, is the story of Samson. Like, usually we don't talk about David and Goliath, and we don't talk about Samson. We don't usually preach those sermons because they're kids' church sermons. But Samson is such a powerful story because he only had three rules for life. Don't eat fruit from the vine, don't drink wine, and don't cut your hair. And as long as you don't cut your hair, you'll be unstoppable to every enemy you face. You'll be untouchable to every enemy if you just don't cut your hair. And we know as soon as Samson let Delilah cut his hair, then they poked out his vision and they bound him up and they made him walk in circles and make grind grind mill grain for them. So he, he gets a haircut, he loses his vision, and then he spends the rest of his life walking in circles for the enemy. Well, until his hair grew back. Then he killed them all, finally. What's the point? Don't cut your hair. Because then you could have seen all of them die. And you wouldn't have had to walk around in circles for a lot, of time, a lot of years. And you wouldn't have had to die with them. But what's the hair? Because his hair was the source of his strength. But for the believer, it's Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy. Joy is as important to us as hair was to Samson. The believer who protects the joy of the Lord protects their vision and will be untouchable and unstoppable to every enemy they face. Man, that's just good. Let me show you my favorite verse in the whole Bible. This is, this is Psalm chapter 2. It says, I'm just read it. The whole beginning. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Okay, so understand. When they're writing this, this is... Um, okay, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So this, the first three verses, all they're writing about is the enemy and what he's doing. Here's what the enemy's doing. Here's what the, here's what the, the our, here's what our enemies are doing. The kings, the rulers, the nations, the people, here's what our enemy's doing. And so his whole focus is on the enemy and what he's doing. It's all bad. It's not good. And then, somewhere between verse 3 and 4, whoever's writing this, I think it's David. My Bible doesn't say it. You know, sometimes it says Psalm of David. Um, and I should know this, but off the top of my head, I don't. So, somewhere between verse 3 and verse 4, the writer gets this idea. Maybe I should stop looking at what the enemy's doing, and maybe I should look up and see what God is doing. And if you remember, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So this is what we're supposed to do. We're only supposed to do what we see the Father doing. We're not supposed to be just looking at the enemy. When we see what the enemy's doing, we're supposed to go, all right, what are you doing? I want to see what you're doing. 
Because if I do what you're doing, I bring that world into this one, and I change what's happening here to look like what's happening there. Are you with me? So this is really quite simple. In between verse 3 and verse 4, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy, here's what they're doing, here's what they're plotting, here's what they're scheming, here's what's going on, oh gosh, and then he gets really smart, he says, let me just look up to heaven, and here's what it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Now this is so crazy to me, this, the rest of this chapter is really crazy. So the writer looks up to heaven and God is laughing. God, how can you be laughing when all this bad stuff is happening? Don't you see all this bad stuff? And God's like, don't you see me? He's obviously not too concerned. He's not concerned. He's not nervous. You know what he's doing? He's saying, I'm trying to give you strength. I want you to see I'm joyful in the midst of your battles. I'm joyful in the midst of your battles. Why do I want you to see that? So you can get strong. Because my joy is your strength. When you look and see that God is joyful, no matter what's happening, you get stronger. But here's what happens next. This is verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you're my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. This is so crazy. Look, the revelation of you are my son, the greatest revelation of identity, and ask of me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. The greatest revelation of identity and destiny, calling, inheritance, nations, changing the world. The only time this writer gets the revelation that he's a son and, oh, you're going to give me the nations, the only way he gets that is first he looks and sees the God of joy in the midst of his battles. If we, want, if we want to walk in being sons, if we want to walk in get Him giving us nations for our inheritance, if we want to experience those things, when we're in the middle of a battle, we need to make sure we see God still laughing. God's still joyful. Hello, are you with me? I said this last night. I preached a whole crazy sermon last night. I almost preached another crazy one to you as well, but this one's not too crazy. We have two services. I have this sermon that is so, like, I get nervous to think about it. Not in a bad way, just like, I know what happens when you preach anti-religious messages. People don't like it. Religious people don't like it. Sometimes it's really fun to stir up religious devils, and then sometimes it's like, I just got to keep looking at the Lord. (laughs) But Psalm 2 isn't the only place this happens. Psalm 37 and Psalm 59, same thing. Psalm 2, Psalm 37, Psalm 59, the Lord is just laughing. He's just up there chuckling, giggling, roaring, laughing. 
He's not concerned. Now, I, I already told you this. I love kids' movies. I've preached in places, and people get so grumpy. They're like, how can you say God is in Disney? How can you preach Disney movies? Disney is always putting these, sneaking these little things in there to try to pollute our kids and take our kids away. I'm like, I'm like you know why God works through Disney so strong? I think he's in every single movie, and I think he actually allows movies to be released at certain times because he puts a message in those movies for children that the earth needs to hear at the exact time. So he'll release movies at the time when the world needs the message that he hid inside the movies. And here's the reason God works with Disney so close is because there's millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions probably, children who will never come to church. So he'll bypass that whole deal and he'll force his message into these movies. And all these kids will see the gospel through these Disney movies that, because they'll never go to church. So he'll just bring it right to them. Right through the unbelieving authors and writers, he'll just, he'll just sneak his message in. The most powerful gospel message I've ever seen in my whole life is in Frozen. It's the most powerful sermon I've ever seen. The, the, they t- somehow God put the whole New Testament into one minute. You know what I mean? Like when Elsa and Anna, like Anna's trying to get an act of true love because her sister has frozen her heart. And, and it's like she gives up her life. She simultaneously gives up her life to save her sister. She gives her life for her sister at the exact same moment her sister kills her by striking her in the heart and she freezes over at the exact moment and she she gives her life and is killed by her sister at the exact same time it's so clear picture of jesus who gives his life for us and we're the ones who killed him at the exact same time and then a couple minutes later comes back to life thaws her thaws her own heart thaws her sister's heart and the whole kingdom thaws and the whole message is love instead of fear And the whole message is your sister demonstrated love by giving her life for you. It's so powerful. It's in every single Disney movie. The gospel's in every single Disney movie. And all these kids' movies. My my new favorite is, of course, Incredibles 2. I love that movie. I'm not going to talk about it too much, but in Incredibles 2, like, I, I, I was... I wrote on Facebook um, about the movie or did a little video about the movie because I always, if you don't know me, I preach a lot of sermons from Disney movies. Like, I just preach them. I love them. And Kung Fu Panda, all these movies. I, I have so many sermons from Kung Fu Panda. But Incredibles 2, though, I wrote on Facebook and this, this mom, I was like, what did you guys see from Incredibles 2? And some mom was like, um... I saw how there's this whole message of inclusion and acceptance, and no matter how you were born, you were born this way, and da-da. And she saw all this bad negative stuff, all this bad, weird stuff that I totally didn't see in the movie. I mean, I know it's there, but it's like, oh, you saw a whole different message than I saw. I saw a message of a supernatural family that was born with supernatural powers, been forced by religion to hide their identity for so long, but now actually the government is actually saying, no, we want you, we need you to rise up and help us. And the only force powerful enough to wipe evil off the face of the earth is the supernatural family that's working together. And the parents even got blinded by the screen slaver. That's a powerful message in itself. Screen slaver blinded the parents. 
And so the kids had to come rip off the glasses so the whole family could see clearly and stop the enemy who was trying to take them out. And the whole point of the message is, it's time for the supernatural family. That's the whole point of the message. And there's a reason there was 14 years between the first one and the second one. It's because we need the second one right now. The first message was, hey, everyone, the whole planet is saying we don't want supernatural family. We don't want powerful Christians. We don't want supernatural Christians. Just pretend like you're regular human beings and you have to sneak around and try to be powerful, but you can't really do it. So you got to be all careful and all calm and all sneaky because that religious devil, that that political devil is going to actually keep you from being powerful. And now 14 years later, it's like, oh, no, it's time. It's time. I feel like I'm just rambling a lot, but my, my other new favorite movie is Christopher Robin. Have you guys seen that movie? So if you haven't seen Incredibles 2, you need to go see Incredibles 2. You need to buy Prince Caspian and watch that, you need to, and you need to go get Christopher Robin. So Christopher Robin, he was a child, and you know he had Winnie the Pooh, he had um, Eeyore, he had Piglet, he had Rue and Kanga, he had all, right, it's Kanga and Rue, he had all his little buddies, but then he grows up and he turns into this adult and he gets so serious about life and he has his little briefcase and he goes to work and he's all stressed out and he can't play with his kids he can't go with his family he can't enjoy his family because he's got to work and he's got to figure out the budget and he's got to cut all this money or they're going to cut people and he cares about his people so he doesn't want to lose them he doesn't want them to get fired so he's all stressed out trying to figure out this problem and Winnie the Pooh has been looking for him for years waiting for him for years and finally Winnie the Pooh who's a picture of the Holy Spirit is like you know what I'm tired of waiting for you to come back I'm going to come find you. And he goes out and he goes and he just shows up where Christopher Robin is all stressed out, struggling, hiding from his neighbor. And Winnie the Pooh is sitting right there and Christopher Robin's freaking out like, what, Winnie the Pooh, how are you here? I haven't seen you in like 30 years. How are you here? I've been too grown up for 30 years. Well, the movie, basically the whole point of the movie is Winnie the Pooh has come to help him stop being so serious and become like a child again. Winnie the Pooh has these really powerful quotes. He says, Sometimes, he says I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. Like, oh, man. That's just a good... That's a good line. That's the Holy Spirit. Here, let me see if I can read you a couple more before I tell you the sorry I gotta switch to my I gotta find these quotes I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been the very best of somethings come from doing nothing oh this one is so good he says what day is it today oh my favorite day yesterday when today was tomorrow it was too much day for me you know, Winnie the Pooh is just basically saying, I just live today. I don't get all stressed out about tomorrow. He's trying to help Christopher because Christopher was all stressed out his whole life. So in the movie, Christopher comes back 
into the 100-acre wood. He passes through, he climbs, he climbs through the tiny hole in the tree that when he was a kid he could just go through. He climbs through, he comes out, he's in the 100-acre wood, all his friends are there, and none of them can recognize him. They don't actually see who he is because he's so grown up and he's so stressed out, they don't think Eeyore, Piglet, all of them, are like, you are not Christopher Robin, you're a heffalump, and heffalumps come to steal our fun. This is, this is, they think he is the very enemy they're all hiding from. They think he's the enemy, and he's like, no, I'm Christopher Robin, it's me, guys, it's me. Pooh brought me back here, and I can't find him because I got mad at how he was leading me, and then I... Let him, he's gone. He was trying to lead me without following the compass, without, he's just walking around trying, he's just leading, I'm not happy with how the Holy Spirit was leading me, so I let the Holy Spirit go, and now I'm here trying to tell you, I'm really Christopher Robin, it's me, and they're like, you're not him, you're a heffalump, and heffalumps came to steal fun, and he's like, it's not me, and they're like, if you were Christopher Robin, Christopher Robin plays, you're not, you don't play Prove, he's like, prove that you're not a heffalump and you're really Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin would know how to defeat the heffalump. And he's like, he's all frustrated. He's like, guys, Eeyore, it's me. Look, when we get all stressed, that when we become adults, we step out of who we truly are. We're, like he wasn't, they didn't even know it was him. They were convinced, you are the very enemy we're trying to get away from. You are the enemy. And he wasn't the enemy. He was just affected by the enemy. He was under the influence of the enemy. Stress, worry, anxiety, busyness, not playing anymore. He quit playing for like 30 years. He just quit playing. He quit having fun. And now they're like, you're the heffalump. (laughs) So he goes off. And I think he goes with Eeyore. He takes Eeyore over there, and he puts Eeyore in these trees, and he starts to, like, pretend as though he's fighting this heffalump. And, and they're in there, and they're going, I can't see. It looks like there's no one there. I don't know what's happening. And it's this awesome conversation. Like this, these few minutes of the movie are so powerful. This movie is so powerful. I went and saw it. Me and my wife went and saw it twice because we were like, we've been affected by the heffalumps. <laughs> I have to kill the heffalumps. We have to kill heffalumps. We were sitting in the movie theater like crying like, we have to kill heffalumps. <laughs> and Christopher Robin goes out and he's like, finally he takes his briefcase, which has all his important papers in there. Like, are those, that's my bag of important things. And is that more important than your daughter? He's like, no. They ask him all these super awesome questions. Like, if that's your bag of, more, of really important things. Is that more important than your daughter? And he's like, no, but really he's like, yeah, I've been, it has been. So he finally takes his briefcase and he's like hitting it and like slamming it. And it actually, Eeyore's like, he's, he's getting it. And the people in the, the, all the other characters that are hiding in the tree are like, he's, I think he's killing it. And he's like, he's playing and pretending to kill a heffalump with his briefcase. He's killing the briefcase that is metaphorically the heffalump and he's just destroying this thing and he comes back and all of a sudden he's like I killed it something and they're like 
They're like, oh, it's you, Christopher Robin. There you are. It's you. And he became himself again by playing and pretending and destroying the Heffalum. And here's the verse I want to show you because this is so in the Bible. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Here's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That word, evil one, is not devil. Here's what it means in the Greek language. Well, the word temptation means to draw us away. Actually, no, temptation. Deliver us means draw us away. Lead us not into temptation, but draw us away from the evil one. Here's what evil means. Toil, full of labors, harassed by labors, blinded by labors, blinded by too much work, blinded by too much toil, blinded by the curse that when Adam and Eve left the garden, it was basically now you have to work really, really hard for stuff you didn't have to work for before. And now they've moved out of God's pleasure, out of the garden, and now they're doomed to a life of toil. Look, sometimes we're busy fighting the devil when, when all, like, the problem was not the devil. The problem was how we got so busy and became grown-ups and got so stressed out and we're carrying around our briefcase of super important things, we forgot what's actually important. Be a child, play, enjoy life, have fun with our kids, let, kill the heffalumps by playing and pretending and just messing around and become who you are again. That's what the word actually means. Blinded by labors. Please hear me. I can just tell you. I told you already. My wife and I sat in the movie theater crying. Like, oh, Lord. And I thought I was really good at this. I'm like the most childlike pastor. I'm, there's only like four pastors in the world that are more childlike than me. I am a happy, joyful, childlike, fun, playful person. I'm really like that. And I'm crying in the theater going, crap. The heffalumps got me. I need, to pl- I need to play more. I need to laugh more. I need to not be, I need Jesus to draw me away from the evil one because the evil one is that. That's the Greek word. Deliver us from all the busy, stressful work. Deliver us from toil. Deliver us from working so hard for barely any results. And it brings me to what the Father said about Jesus. The Father said about Jesus at his baptism, This is my beloved Son, in whom I find great pleasure. Adam and Eve were removed from Eden, which means the pleasure of God. They were removed from God's pleasure and doomed, cursed, to a life of toil. Cursed to a life of evil. Cursed to a life where you work really, really hard and you're all busy and you're all stressed out and you're all struggling just for a little bit of good stuff to happen. You just work, 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 work. That's the whole point of being removed from God's pleasure. And then before Jesus ever does anything, God says, my beloved son in whom I find great, he drops him right back into Eden. He drops Jesus right back into Eden. I'm pleased with you. Hey, 
Look, son, I'm laughing. I know you're all busy with this big battle, with this battle that's raging all around you. I know you're all busy. Look, son, I'm laughing. When you see I'm laughing and I'm happy and I'm playing up in heaven and I'm joyful up in heaven, when you see that, you'll remember you're a son and the nations are yours. How'd you forget you're a son and the nations are yours? You only looked at all the stressful, busy stuff happening all around and you didn't look at Mr. Heffalump Destroyer the deliverer from the heffalumps, you didn't look at him and realize, oh, play is how I get out of this battle. I get out of this battle by just playing and pretending and being a kid. Look, I think this movie is really important. The movie is really important. It's not just this movie. It's the movie Storks and it's the movie Boss Baby. Boss Baby, Storks, are very, the whole point of the movie is that it is time for the family to stop getting, being so obsessed with business and focus on family again. Watch the movies, just watch them. Boss Baby is like, look, you're the little baby that's all boss and you're all business. And then you discover like, no, family is really good. And Storks, it's like the whole, they built the whole warehouse the whole business warehouse on the side of the family mountain, and at the end of the movie, the whole thing breaks off, and you just have the family mountain, and the storks get to bring children again, not just pack, not just cell phones. It's it's the wor- the the message is coming out over and over and over again. Hey, be be like a little kid. Hey, be like a family. Hey, be joyful. Be a Samson. Be a Samson. Protect your joy. Don't let your job steal your joy. Don't let your work steal your joy. Don't let hard relationships steal your joy. Don't let anything steal your joy or it's going to steal your vision and make you walk in circles. And then you're going to be like, dang, how'd that half a lump get me? <laughs> and all your little, all the angels and the Holy Spirit the whole time will be like, hey, if you're really a son, if you're really a, if you're really a son, just you would know how to defeat the heffalump. Oh, I do know how to defeat the heffalump. Have fun. All right. I don't know how we're going to wrap this up. But this is, this, is what, this is where our world is at right now. We as the believers need to be the ones that are just looking up going, Oh, yeah, you're laughing. I'll laugh. I'll play. I'll be a son. I'll, ta- I'll receive nations as my inheritance. I'll receive nations. I'll, I'll be delivered from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. That's the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from too much stress and work. Drop us into your pleasure so we defeat these heffalumps and our family can be strong and healthy again. Let's pray. And then, I don't know. We have a couple minutes, right? And then the kids come in and do something. Four minutes. Oh, parents go pick up the kids in four minutes. All right, sweet. Let's just pray. If you've been defeated by a heffalump lately, I want you to stand up. If the heffalumps have been getting you, oh, hello. I know. 
I'm, I'm standing up too because I was the one crying in the theater. Like, I, like really, can I just be totally honest? Like, I've seen this happen over and over in my life. Like, it's usually times when I'm supposed to go preach and I'm like trying to play with my kids and I'm all stressed out because I have to go preach a sermon. And then I'm like, forget that sermon. I'm just going to play with my children. And I play with my children and I get sermons just downloaded to me in the middle of play. I'm like, whoa. And I just do, 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 ride it up real fast. So we're driving down to Legoland. I'm like, my whole job yesterday is just play as hard as I can at Legoland. Just play. Just play with the kids. The messages will come. The, I, I won't have, you know, like... I'm always preparing messages, but I don't, you know what I mean? I just knew yesterday. I could come down here and be all stressed out because I have to preach at night, or I can just play with my kids and let God give me the message because there's no heffalumps on me. So we all, we're going to get rid of the heffalumps. Just put your hands on your hearts. Lord, thank you that you remind us of the most important stuff, that that. Our suitcases, our bags full of important stuff are never as important as family, never as important as fun, never as important as, as playing and pretending and just being joyful, God. Nothing's as important as being joyful because that's the, what gives us strength is to be joyful with you. That's what reminds us of our identity. That's what gives us our inheritance. That's what gives us access to the things that no one else has access to is when we look at you and we see the God of joy in the midst of our battles. And that's what I pray for all of us, that we would see the God of joy in the midst of our battles, that our hair would grow back, our strength would come back, our vision would come back, because in the new covenant, your vision comes back. You get set, You don't die with the enemy. You get all of it back. God, that we would be like new covenant Samsons that drink a lot of Holy Spirit wine, that eat a lot of Holy Spirit fruit, and that have really long, joyful hair. That we would be like Christopher Robin, that you would deliver us from the evil one. Jesus, we pray your prayer. Deliver us from being blinded by labor and toil and all this crazy hard work, because we're in your pleasure. In In us, you are well pleased. You're not grumpy with us. Wow, you're not grumpy. We're in your pleasure. Thanks, Jesus. Just say, help me. me. Defeat the heffalumps. I don't don't want them to get me me anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, if you're a parent, you have to go get your children, and then we'll do a couple more things. Sound good? You can sit down. Sorry. Ten forty-five on the dot. That was good. Parents. This morning I was laying in bed and um, I just heard the name Liza. Is is there anyone named Liza or Liz? I don't know. Liza, Liz. No, maybe I'll check second service. Well, there's a Liz in kids' church. She go by Liz. Where's 
the kids are getting out. Yeah, go get her. We can wait. Sir, will you stand up for just a minute? Yeah. In worship, I was just, I glanced back and looked at you. What's your name? Mark. Mark. I just glanced back and looked at you, looked at you, and I, I felt like there was, there's angels all around you and protecting you. I felt like God had angels, like, I, I saw the Lord say, make sure you protect him. Make sure you keep him safe. And I saw them coming down, and you had angels with, like, they had badges. They had guns. They were like sheriff angels that were, like, hanging around you, and they, they were protecting you. And I don't know your life or anything like that, but I just have this sense, like, there's been angels your whole life following you around, going ahead of you, protecting you. I feel like there's probably a few times you should be dead or should be really messed up, and the angels have protected you. And I feel like the Lord just wanted you to know, like, he's been watching over you even when you haven't been paying attention even when you haven't wanted him to even when i don't even know like i feel like there's been this assignment on you from god to make sure you're safe and i felt like the lord was moving you the the verses that i got was from isaiah 6 where isaiah sees god and he says woe is me woe is me woe is me i'm I'm a person of unclean lips, and then the angel comes and touches his mouth, and instantly Isaiah goes from woe is me to here I am, send me. And I felt like God is, is just making sure your attention is in the right place of God send me for what I'm here to do, that he's moving you from the things that you've done wrong, attention on the things that you've done wrong to attention on what you're supposed to do right and what you're actually here to do. And I felt like the Lord has just been watching over you, guarding you, protecting you so that he can make sure when the time comes that you actually step into who you're called to be. And I feel like there's something on that for you today. Like today is a day where you step into, instead of looking at anything you've done wrong, looking at God, give me my assignment, what I'm here to do. Can we pray for you quick for that? Does any of that make sense to you? No? All right. Just aim your hands at Mark. Lord, thank you for Mark. Thank you that today is a day that he goes from woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, I've done so many things wrong, I'm not in a good spot, Lord, that he moves from attention on himself to attention on what you have for him. That today he goes from woe is me to here I am, send me. And I pray for him. Can someone put your hand on his feet real fast? I pray for his feet that today he starts walking into who he really is. He steps out of his past, into his present, into his future, into what you've had all along. God, thank you for the angels that have been guarding him all along, protecting him. That he'll even remember all these times where he's like, oh gosh, I should not be here anymore. But it, somebody was watching out for me. It was, it, was, it was you, Lord. Thank you so much. And we just say... Mark, from now on, you walk into the things that God has for you. From now on, it's here I am. Send me to be a voice for you, to be a voice for you. Yeah, God, put your voice right on his mouth. Put your voice in his mouth. Put your voice on his lips. Let his words be filled with your words. Thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Liz is here. Are you Liz? I just, I have a simple word for you. I just had a thought this morning. There's a series of fortunate events coming your way. Like, I I don't know. It's like I, I, 
you know, some people are like, oh, I went through a series of unfortunate events. I felt like the Lord said, Liz, I had Liz, Liza, something. So I just called out Liz or Liza, but you're Liz. So all I have is a series of fortunate events. I feel like you are about to start stumbling into things accidentally that feel like they were set up completely on purpose just for you, that you're going to walk through all these things and you're going to look back and say, I, I couldn't have done that better if I did it on purpose. I couldn't have done on purpose what happened to me over and over on accident. I feel like God has got you stepping into accidentally just walking into these things Things that are just set up for you, like God says, I've ordained good works for you from the foundation of the world, that before you're even here, you're about to start walking into these things, you're like, wow, I feel like I'm just entering into something God planned, God wrote, God schemed up, and I didn't mean to, it just happened. I feel like that's what he's bringing you into, a series of fortunate events, okay? Aim your hands at her real fast. Jesus, take Liz into a series of fortunate events on accident. That would be better than she could have ever come up with ever in her whole life on purpose. Just let her, like a kid, just accidentally stumbling into awesome things. The things you've ordained for her from before you even made her, before you even made any of us, Lord. The things you set up for her. Let her find herself walking through those pages. Let her find yourself, herself reading the book that you wrote about her life that you're the author and perfecter of her faith, that you're, you're authoring her faith. And, and Liz, here's what else I feel like. I feel like the Lord is um, removing the editor. Like the, so the Lord has written a book about your life. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. And sometimes the enemy tries to come in and edit out um, paragraphs or edit out important sentences or edit out and change the way the book is written and stuff like that. And I feel like he's just saying, no, this book is, is self-published by me by Jesus, and I'm not going to send it to any editor. I don't want it edited. I don't want it cleaned up. I don't want, any, I don't want my story changed, what I've written for her. And you're going to start reading more and more the book that he wrote about you, unedited, un, un, you know what I'm saying? No edits, just what Jesus wrote, that you will read the book Jesus wrote about you and find yourself living out the script of the life he designed for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. You ready? I don't know. I'm, I'm good. I'm done. 10.52? We have service in eight minutes, right? No, no. Oh. 11.30. That's awesome. Give Seth a clap. That was awesome. How amazing was that? Come on. Let's just give Jesus a shout, too. Jesus. Lord, we love you. Oh, we love you. That was awesome. Can we get the prayer team to come on up? Uh, prayer team, if you've gone through our prayer team training, come. Oh, also you guys can give. If you, you guys were blessed. So, you guys so Thanksgiving, so seed. You're propelling that message forward into the earth. How many of you guys enjoyed that message? Like, that was really powerful. I saw heffalumps, like, running out of this place by the dozens the entire time. It was awesome. We get a couple more people. A couple of you guys, come on up. Just join, join the prayer team. If you've gone through prayer training or Andrews. I want to do something interesting with the prayer team. If you come to this side of the room for prayer, we're going to have a prophecy pit over here. 
what is that? You know, Seth was just calling people out and giving them words. It was really powerful. The guys over here are just going to be just shotgun prophesying over people. So if you're like, man, I really liked what was happening with the people getting called out. I was really cool. Just come over to this place. If you need a healing or anything else, come over to that side, okay? Is that awesome? We bless you guys. Come back next week. Say hi to some folks. But yeah, a little prophecy pit up here. So we'll get some more prayer servants to pray too, okay? God bless you guys. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.